told you yesterday, I returned from my second voyage overjoyed at my safety and with great increase of wealth. Allah having requited me all that I had wasted and lost, and I abode a while in Baghdad's city, savoring the utmost ease and prosperity and comfort and happiness, till the carnal man was once more seized with longing for travel and diversion and adventure, and yearned after traffic and lucre and emolument, for that the human heart is naturally prone to evil. So, making up my mind, I laid in great plenty of goods suitable for a sea voyage, and repairing to Basora, went down to the shore and found there a fine ship ready to sail, with a full crew and a numerous company of merchants, men of worth and substance, faith, piety, and consideration. I embarked with them, and we set sail on the blessing of Allah Almighty, and on his aidance and his favor, to bring our voyage to a safe and prosperous issue, and already we congratulated one another on our good fortune and boon voyage. We fared on from sea to sea, and from island to island and city to city, in all delight and contentment, buying and selling wherever we touched, and taking our solace and our pleasure, till one day when, as we sailed outward to the dashing sea, swollen with clashing billows, behold the master, who stood up on the gunwale examining the ocean in all directions, cried out with a great cry, and buffeted his face, and plucked out his beard, and rent his raiment, and bade furl the sea and cast the anchors. So we said to him, O Rice, what is the matter? No, my brethren, Allah preserve you, that the wind hath gotten the better of us, and hath driven us out of our course into mid-ocean, and destiny, for our ill luck, hath brought us to the mountain of Zugub, a hairy folk like apes, among whom no man ever fell or came forth alive, and my heart presageth that we all be dead men. Hardly had the master made an end of his speech when the apes were upon us. They surrounded the ship on all sides, swarming like locusts and crowding the shore. They were the most frightful of wild creatures, covered with black hair like felt, foul of favor and small of stature, being but four spans high, yellow-eyed and black-faced. None knoweth their language nor what they are, and they shun the company of men. We feared to slay them, or strike them, or drive them away, because of that inconceivable multitude. Lest, if we hurt one, the rest fall on us and slay us, for numbers prevail over courage. So we let them do their will, albeit we feared they would plunder our goods and gear. They swarmed up the cables and gnawed them asunder, and on likewise they did with all the ropes of the ship, so that it fell off from the wind and stranded upon their mountainous coast. Then they laid hands on all the merchants and crew, and, landing us on the island, made off with the ship and its cargo and went their ways, we wot not whither. We were thus left on the island, eating of its fruits and pot herbs and drinking of its streams, till, one day, we espied in its midst what seemed an inhabited house. So we made for it as fast as our feet could carry us, and, behold, it was a castle strong and tall, compassed about with a lofty wall, and having a two-leaved gate of ebony wood, both of which leaves open stood. We entered and found within a space wide and bare like a great square, round which stood many high doors open thrown, and at the farther end of a long bench of stone and braziers, with cooking gear hanging thereon and about it great plenty of bones. But we saw no one and marveled thereat with exceeding wonder. Then we sat down in the courtyard a little while, and presently falling asleep, slept from the forenoon till sundown, when lo! The earth trembled under our feet, and the air rumbled with a terrible tone. Then there came down upon us from the top of the castle a huge creature in the likeness of a man, black of color, tall and big of bulk, 
as he were a great day tree, with eyes like coals of fire and eye teeth like boar's tusks and a vast big gape like the mouth of a well. Moreover, he had long loose lips like camels, hanging down upon his breast and ears like two yarns falling over his shoulder blades, and the nails of his hands were like the claws of a lion. When we saw this frightful giant, we were like to faint, and every moment increased our fear and terror, and we became as dead men for excess of horror and affright. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say, when it was the five hundred and forty-seventh night. She said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Sinbad the seaman continued. When we saw this frightful giant, we were struck with exceeding terror and horror, and after trampling upon the earth, he sat a while on the bench. Then he arose, and coming to us, seized me by the arm, choosing me out from among my comrades the merchants. He took me up in his hand, and turning me over, felt me, as a butcher feeleth a sheep he is about to slaughter, and I but a little mouthful in his hands. But finding me lean and fleshless for stress of toil and trouble and weariness, let me go and took up another, whom in like manner he turned over and fell and let go. Nor did he cease to feel and turn over the rest of us one after another till he came to the master of the ship. Now he was a sturdy, stout, broad-shouldered white, fat and in full vigor. So he pleased the giant, who seized him as a butcher seizes the beast, and throwing him down, set his foot on his neck and break it. After which he fetched a long spit, and thrusting it up his backside, brought it forth of the crown of his head. Then, lighting a fierce fire, he set over it the spit with the rice thereon, and turned it over the coals till the flesh was roasted. When he took the spit off the fire and set it like a kebab stick before him, then he tear the body limb from limb, as one joint of a chicken, and rending the flesh with his nails, fell to eating of it and gnawing the bones, till there was nothing left but some of these, which he threw on one side of the wall. This done, he sat for a while. Then he laid down on the stone bench and fell asleep, snarking and snoring like the gurgling of a lamb or a cow with its throat cut. Nor did he awake till morning, when he rose and fared forth and went his ways. As soon as we were certified that he was gone, we began to talk with one another, weeping and bemoaning ourselves for the risk we ran, and saying, Would heaven we had been drowned in the sea, or that the apes had eaten us, that were better than to be roasted with the coals, by other business of the fly or the foul death. But what so the Lord will it must come to pass, and there is no majesty, and there is no might, saving him, the glorious, the great. We shall assuredly perish miserably, and none will know of us, as there is no escape for us from this place. Then we arose and roamed about the island, hoping that happily we might find a place to hide us in or a means of flight. For indeed death was a light matter to us, provided we were not roasted over the fire and eaten. However, we could find no hiding place, and the evening overtook us. So, of the excess of our terror, we returned to the castle and sat down a while. Presently, the earth trembled under our feet, and the black ogre came up to us, and, turning us over, felt one after the other, till he found a man to his liking, whom he took and served as he had done with the killing and roasting and eating. After which he lay down on the bench, and slept all night, snarking and snoring like a beast with its throat cut, till daybreak, when he arose and went out as before. Then we drew together and conversed, and said to one another, by Allah, we had better throw ourselves into the sea and be drowned than die roasted, for this is an abominable death. Quoth one of us, Hear ye my word.
let us cast about to kill him, be at peace from the grief of him, rid the Muslims of his barbarity and tyranny. Then said I, Hear me, all my brothers. If there is nothing for it to slay him, let us carry some of these spiders and planks down to the seashore and make us a boat where, if we succeed in slaughtering him, we may either embark and let the waters carry us with our paddle with it, or else abide here till some ship pass, where we will take passage of him. If we fail to kill him, we will embark in the boat and put out to sea, and if we be drowned, we shall at least escape being roasted over a kitchen fire with sliced reasons. Whilst if we escape, we escape, and if we be drowned, we die martyrs. By Allah, said they all, this reed is a right. And we agreed upon this, and set about carrying it out. So we hailed down to the beach the pieces of wood which lay about the bench, and, making a boat, moored it to the strand, after which we stowed therein somewhat of victual and returned to the castle. As soon as evening fell, the earth trembled under our feet, and in came the blackboard upon us, snarling like a dog about to bite. He came up to us, and, feeling us and turning us over one by one, took one of us and did with him as he had done before and evening, after which he laid down on the bench and snored and snorted like thunder. As soon as we were assured that he slept, we arose and taking two iron spits of those standing there, heaped them in the fiercest of the fire, till they were red-hot, like burning coals, when we gripped fast hold of them, and going up to the giant, as he lay snoring on the bench, thrust them into his eyes and pressed upon them, all of us, with our united might, so that his eyeballs might burst and he become stone blind. Thereupon he cried with a great cry, whereat our hearts trembled, and springing up from the bench he fell a-groping after us, blindfolded. We fled from him right and left, and he saw us not, for his sight was altogether blent, but we were in terrible fear of him, and made sure we were dead men despairing of escape. Then he found the door, feeling for it with his hands, and went out roaring aloud, and behold the earth shook under us, for the noise of his roaring, and we quaked for fear. As he quitted the castle, we followed him, and we took ourselves to the place where we had moored our boat, saying to one another, If this accursed abide absent to the going down of the sun, and come not to the castle, we shall know that he is dead. And if he come back, we will embark in the boat and paddle till we escape, committing our affair to Allah. But as we spoke, behold, up came the black amour with other two as they were ghouls, foul and more frightful than he, rising red-hot coals, which one we saw, we hurried into the boat, and casting off the moorings, paddled away and pushed out to sea. They cried out at us, and running down to the seashore, fell pelting us with rocks, whereof some fell amongst us, and others fell the sea. We paddled with all our might till we were beyond the reach, but most of us were slain by the rock throw. And the winds and waves sported with us and carried us into the midst of the dashing sea, swollen with billows clashing. We knew not whither we went, and my fellows died one after another, till there remained but three, myself and two others. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say, when it was the five hundred and forty-eighth night. She said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that sin by the seaman thus continued. Most part of us were slain by the rock throwing, and only three of us remained on board the boat for, as often as one died, we threw him into the sea. We were sore exhausted for stress and hunger. We took courage and heart one another, and worked for dear life, and paddled with main and might, till the winds cast us upon an island. As we were dead men for fatigue and fear and famine, we landed on the island and walked about it for a while finding that it abounded in trees and streams and birds. And we ate of the fruit and rejoiced in our escape from the black and our deliverance from the perils of the sea, 
and thus we did till nightfall, when we lay down and fell asleep for excess of fatigue, but we had hardly closed our eyes before we were aroused by a hissing sound like the sow of wind, and awakening, I saw a serpent like a dragon, a seldom-seen sight, of a monstrous snake and the belly of enormous bulk which lay in a circle around us. Presently it reared its head and, seizing one of my companions, swallowed him up to his shoulders. Then it gulped down the rest of him, and we heard his ribs crack in its belly. Presently it went its way, and we abode in sore amazement and grief for our comrade, and mortal fear for ourselves, saying, By Allah, this is a marvelous thing. Each kind of death that threatened us is more terrible than the last. We were rejoiced in our escape from the black ogre and our deliverance from the perils of the sea, but now we have fallen into that which is worse. There is no majesty and there is no might save in Allah. By the Almighty, we have escaped from the blackamoor and from drowning, but how shall we escape from this abominable and viperish monster? Then we walked about the island, eating of its fruits and drinking of its streams till dusk, when we climbed up into a high tree and went to sleep there. I being on the topmost bow, as soon as it was dark night, up came the serpent, looking right and left, and, making for the tree whereon we were, climbed up to my comrade and swallowed him down to his shoulders. Then it coiled about the bowl with him, whilst I, who could not take my eyes off the sight, heard his bones crack in its belly, and it swallowed him whole, after which it slid down from the tree. When the day broke and the light showed me that the serpent was gone, I came down, as I were a dead man for stress of fear and anguish, and thought to cast myself into the sea and be at rest from the woes of the world, but could not bring myself to this, for verily life is dear. So I took five pieces of wood, broad and long, and bound one crosswire to the soles of my feet and others in like fashion on my right and left sides, and over my breast. And the broadest and largest I bound across my head, and made them fast with ropes. Then I laid down on the ground on my back, so that I was completely fenced in by the pieces of wood, which enclosed me like a bear. So as soon as it was dark, up came the serpent as usual, and made towards me, but could not get at me to swallow me for the wood that fenced me in. So it wriggled around me on every side whilst I looked on, like one dead by reason of my terror. And every now and then it would glide away and come back, but as often as it tried to come at me, it was hindered by the pieces of wood wherewith I had bound myself on every side. It ceased not to beset me thus from sundown till dawn, but when the light of day shone upon the beast it made off, in the utmost fury and extreme disappointment. Then I put out my hand and unbound myself, well nigh down among the dead men for fear and suffering, and went down to the island shore, whence a ship afar off in the midst of the waves suddenly struck my sight. So I tore off a great branch of a tree and made signs with it to the crew, shouting out the while, which when the ship's company saw, they said to another, We must stand in and see what this is. Peradventure, tis a man. So they made for the island and presently heard my cries, whereupon they took me on board and questioned me of my case. I told them all my adventures from first to last, whereas they marveled mightily and covered my shame with some of their clothes. Moreover, they set before me somewhat of food, and I ate my fill and drank cold sweet water and was mightily refreshed. And Allah Almighty quickened me after I was virtually dead. So I praised the Most Highest and thanked Him for His favors and exceeding mercies. And my heart revived in me after utter despair, till me seemed as if all I had suffered were but a dream I had dreamed. We sailed on with a fair wind the Almighty sent us till we came to an island called Al-Salahita, which abounded in sandy wood and kept in cast anchor. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. 
when it was the 549th night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Sinbad the seaman continued. And when we had cast anchor, the merchants and the sailors landed with their goods to sell and to buy. Then the captain turned to me and said, Por que thou art a stranger and a pauper, and tellest us that thou hast undergone frightful hardship? Wherefore, I have a mind to benefit thee with somewhat that may further thee to thy native land. So thou wilt ever bless me and pray for me. So be it, answered I, thou shalt have my prayers. Quoth he, Know then that there was with us a man, a traveler whom we lost, and we know not if he be alive or dead, but we had no news of him. So I purpose to commit his bales of goods to thy charge, that thou mayest sell them in this island. A part of the proceeds we will give thee as an equivalent for thy pains and service, and the rest we will keep till we return to Baghdad, where we will inquire for his family and deliver it to them together with the unsold goods. Say me then, thou undertake the charge and land to sell them as the other merchants do? I replied, hearkening in obedience to thee, O my lord, and great is thy kindness to me, and thanked him. Whereupon he bade the sailors and porters bear the bales in question ashore and commit them to my charge. The ship's scribe asked him, O master, what bales are these and what merchant's name shall I write upon them? And he answered, Write on them the name of Sinbad the Seaman, him who was with us in the ship and whom we lost at the Rooks Island and of whom we have no tidings. For we mean this stranger to sell them, and we will give him a part of the price for his pains and keep the rest until we return to Baghdad where, if we find the owner, we will make it over to him, and if not, to his family. And the crook said, Thy words are opposite, and thy read is right. Now when I heard the captain give orders for the bales to be inscribed with my name, I said to myself, By Allah, I am Sinbad the seaman. So I armed myself with courage and patience and waited till all the merchants had landed and were gathered together, talking and chaffering about buying and selling. Then I went up to the captain and asked him, O my lord, knowest thou what manner of man was this Sinbad, whose goods thou hast committed to me for sale? And he answered, I know of him not, save that he was a man from Baghdad City, Sinbad the Seaman, who was drowned with many others when we lay anchored at such an island, and I have heard nothing of him since then. At this I cried out with a great cry and said, O oh, Captain whom Allah keep, know that I am that Sinbad the Seaman, and that I was not drowned. But when thou castest anchor at the island, I landed with the rest of the merchants and crew. And I sat down in a pleasant place by myself, and ate somewhat of food I had with me and enjoyed myself, till I became drowsy and was drowned in sleep. And when I awoke, I found no ship and none near me. These goods are my goods, and these bales are my bales. And all the merchants who fetched jewels from the Valley of Diamonds saw me there, and were bearing witness that I am the very Sinbad the Seaman. For I related to them everything that had befallen me, and told them how you forgot me and left me sleeping on the island, and that betided me which betided me. When the passengers and crew heard my words, they gathered about me, and some of them believed me and others disbelieved. But presently, behold, one of the merchants hearing me mention the Valley of Diamonds came up to me and said to them, Hear what I say, good people, when I related to you the most wonderful things in my travels, and I told you that at the time we cast down our slaughtered animals into the Valley of Serpents. I casting with the rest as was my wont. There came up a man hanging 
to mine. He believed me not and gave me the lie. Yes, thou didst tell us some such tale, but we had no call to credit thee. He resumed. Now this is the very man. I token that he gave us diamonds of great value and high price, and whose like are not to be found. Requiting me more than would have come up sticking to my quarter of meat. And I accompanied with him to Basora city, where he took leave of us and went on to his native stead, whilst we returned to our land. This is he, and he told us his name, Simbad the Seaman, and how the ship left him on the desert island. And know ye that Allah hath sent him hither, so might the truth of my story be made manifest to you. Moreover, these are his goods, for when he first foregathered with us, he told us of them, and the truth of his words is patent. Hearing the merchant's speech, the captain came up to me and considered me straightly a while, after which he said, What was the marker of thy bales? Thus and thus answered I, and reminded him of somewhat that had passed between him and me when I shipped with him from Besora. Thereupon he was convinced that I was indeed Sinbad the seaman, and took me round the neck and gave me joy of my safety, saying, by Allah, O oh my lord, thy case is indeed wondrous, and thy tale marvelous. But, lauded be Allah who hath brought thee and me together again, and who hath restored to thee thy goods and gear. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and fiftieth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Sinbad the seaman thus continued. Quoth the captain, Amandolillah, Lord it be Allah, who hath restored unto thee thy goods and gear. Then I disposed of my merchandise to the best of my skill, and profited largely on them, whereat I rejoiced with exceeding joy and congratulated myself on my safety and the recovery of my goods. We ceased not to buy and sell the several islands till we came to the land of Hind, where we bought cloves and ginger and all manner spices, and thence we fared on to the land of Sin, where also we bought and sold. In these Indian seas I saw wonders without number or count, amongst others a fish like a cow which bringeth forth its young, and suckleth them like human beings, and of its skin bucklers are made. There were eight fishes like asses and camel and tortoises I saw also a bird that cometh out of a seashell and layeth eggs and hatcheth their chicks on the surface of the water, never coming up from the sea to the land. Then we set sail again, with a fair wind and the blessing of Almighty Allah, and after a prosperous voyage, arrived safe and sound at Besora. Here I abode a few days, and presently returned to Baghdad, where I went at once to my quarter and my house, and saluted my family and familiars and friends. I had gained on this voyage what was beyond count and reckoning, so I gave alms and largesse and clad the widow and the orphan, by way of thanksgiving for my happy return, and fell to feasting and making merry with my companions and intimates and forgot, while eating well and drinking well and dressing well, everything that had befallen me, and all the perils and hardships I had suffered. These, then, are the most admirable things I cited on my third voyage. And tomorrow, and it will be the will of Allah, you shall come to me, and I will relate the adventures of my fourth voyage, which is still more wonderful than those you have already heard. Saith he who telleth the tale. Then Sinbad the seaman bade give Sinbad the landsman an hundred golden dinars as of want and called for food. So they spread the tables, and the company ate a night meal and went their ways, marveling at the tale that they had heard. 
The porter, after taking his gold, passed the night in his own house, also wondering at what his namesake, the seaman, had told him. And as soon as day broke, and the morning shone with the sheen and shone, he rose and praying the dawn prayer betook himself to Sinbad the seaman, who returned his salute and received him with an open breast and cheerful favor, and made him sit with him till the rest of the company arrived, when he caused set on food, and they ate and drank and made merry. Then Sinbad the seaman bespake them, and related to them the narrative of the fourth voyage of Sinbad the seaman. The fourth voyage of Sinbad the seaman. Know, O my brethren, that after my return from my third voyage, and foregathering with my friends, and forgetting all my perils and hardships in the enjoyment of ease and comfort and repose, I was visited one day by a company of merchants who sat down with me and talked of foreign travel and traffic, till the old bad man within me yearned to go with them and enjoy the sight of strange countries, and I longed for the society of the various races of mankind and for traffic and profit. So I resolved to travel with them, and buying the necessaries for a long voyage and great store of costly goods more than ever before, transported them from Baghdad to Basora, where I took ship with the merchants in question, who were of the chief of the town. We set out trusting in the blessing of Almighty Allah, and with a favoring breeze and the best conditions we sailed from island to island and sea to sea, till one day there arose against us a contrary wind, and the captain cast out his anchors and brought the ship to a standstill, fearing lest she should flounder in mid-ocean. Then we all felt a prayer and humbling ourselves before the Most High. But as we were thus engaged, there smote us a furious squall, which tore the sails to rags and tatters. The anchor cable parted and the ship foundering, we were cast into the sea, goods and all. I kept myself afloat by swimming half the day, till, when I had given myself up for lost, the Almighty threw in my way one of the planks of the ship, whereon I and some others of the merchants scrambled. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and fifty-first night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Sinbad the seaman continued as follows. And when the ship foundered, I scrambled onto a plank with some others of the merchants, and, mounting it as we would a horse, paddled with our feet in the sea. We abode thus a day and a night, the wind and waves helping us on, and on the second day shortly before the mid-time between sunrise and noon, the breeze freshened and the sea wrought and the rising waves cast us upon an island, while nigh dead bodies for weariness and want of sleep, cold and hunger and fear and thirst. We walked about the shore and found abundance of herbs, whereof we ate enough to keep breath and body and to stay our failing spirits, then lay down and slept till morning hard by the sea. And when morning came with its sheen and shone, we arose and walked about the island to the right and left, till we came in sight of an inhabited house afar off. So we made towards it, and ceased not walking till we reached the door thereof, when, lo, a number of naked men issued from it, and without saluting us or a word said, laid hold of us masterfully and carried us to their king, who signed us to sit. So we sat down, and they set food before us, such as we knew not, and whose like we had never seen in all our lives. My companions ate of it for stress of hunger, but my stomach revolted from it, and I would not eat. And my refraining from it was, by Allah's favor, the cause of my being alive till now. For no sooner had my comrades tasted of it than their reason fled and their condition changed, and they began to devour it like madmen possessed of an evil spirit. Then the savages gave them to drink of coconut oil, and anointed them therewith. Oh. 
and straightway after drinking thereof, their eyes turned into their heads and they fell to eating greedily, against their wont. When I saw this, I was confounded and concerned for them, nor was I less anxious about myself for fear of the naked folk. So I watched them narrowly, and it was not long before I discovered them to be a tribe of Magian cannibals, whose king was a ghoul. All who came to their country, or whoso they caught in their valleys, or on their roads, they brought to this king, and fed them upon that food, and anointed them with that oil. Whereupon their stomachs dilated, that they might eat largely, whilst their reason fled, and they lost the power of thought, and became idiots. Then they stuffed them with coconut oil and the aforesaid food, till they became fat and gross. And they slaughtered them by cutting their throats and roasted them for the king's eating. But as for the savages themselves, they ate human flesh raw. When I saw this, I was so dismayed for myself and my comrades, who were now become so stupefied that they knew not what was done with them and the naked folk committed them to one who used every day to lead them out and pasture them on the island like cattle. And they wandered among the trees and rested at will, thus waxing very fat. As for me, I wasted away and became sickly for fear and hunger, and my flesh shriveled on my bones, which when the savages saw, they left me alone and took no thought of me, and so far forgot me that one day I gave them the slip, and walking out of their place made for the beach which was distant, and there I spied a very old man, Seated on a high place, girt by the waters, I looked at him and knew him for the herdsman, who had charge of pasturing my fellows, and with him many others in like case. As soon as he saw me, he knew me to be in possession of my reason, and not afflicted like the rest of whom he was pasturing. So signed to me from afar, as who should say, Turn back, and take the right-hand road, for that will lead thee into the king's highway. So I turned back as he bade me, and followed the right-hand road, now running for fear, and then walking leisurely to rest me, till I was out of the old man's sight. By this time the sun had gone down and the darkness set in, so I sat down to rest and would have slept, but sleep came not to me that night, for stress of fear and famine and fatigue. When the night was half spent, I rose and walked on, till the day broke in all its beauty, and the sun rose over the heads of the lofty hills and athwart the low gravelly plains. Now I was weary and hungry and thirsty, so I ate my fill of herbs and grasses that grew in the island, and kept life in body and stayed my stomach, after which I set out again, and fared on all that day and the next night, staying my greed with roots and herbs. Nor did I cease walking for seven days and their nights, till the morn of the eighth day, when I caught sight of a faint object in the distance. So I made towards it, though my heart quaked for all I had suffered first and last, and behold, it was a company of men gathering pepper grains. As soon as they saw me, they hastened up to me, and surrounding me on all sides, said to me, Who art thou, and whence come? I replied, No, O oh folk, that I am a poor stranger, and acquainted them with my case and all the hardships and perils I had suffered. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and fifty-second night, she said, it hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Sinbad the seaman continued. And the men gathering pepper in the island questioned me of my case, when I acquainted them with all the hardships and perils I had suffered, and how I had fled from the savages. Whereat they marveled and gave me joy of my safety, saying, By Allah, this is wonderful! 
But how didst thou escape from these blacks who swarm in the island and devour all who fall in with them? Nor is any safe from them, nor can any get out of their clutches. And after I had told them the fate of my companions, they made me sit by them till they got quit of their work, and fetched me somewhat of good food, which I ate, for I was hungry, and rested a while, after which they took ship with me and carrying me to their island home, brought me before their king, who returned my salute and received me honorably, and questioned me of my case. I told him all that had befallen me, from the day of my leaving Baghdad city, whereupon he wondered with great wonder at my adventures, he and his courtiers, and bade me sit by him. Then he called for food, and I ate with him what sufficed me, and washed my hands, and returned thanks to Almighty Allah for all his favors, praising him and glorifying him. Then I left the king, and walked for solace about the city, which I found wealthy and populous, abounding in market streets, well stocked with food and merchandise, and full of buyers and sellers. So I rejoiced at having reached so pleasant a place, and took my ease there, after my fatigues. And I made friends with the townsfolk, nor was it long before I became more in honor and favor with them and their king than any of the chief men of the realm. Now I saw that all the citizens, great and small, rode fine horses, high-priced and thoroughbred, without saddles or housing. Whereat I wondered and said to the king, Wherefore, O my lord, dost thou not ride with a saddle? Therein is ease for the rider, and increase of power. What is a saddle? asked he. I never saw nor used such a thing in all my life. And I answered, With thy permission, I will make thee a saddle, that thou mayst ride on it, and see the comfort thereof. And quoth he, Do tell. So quoth I to him, Furnish me with some wood. Which being brought, I sought me a clever carpenter, and sitting by him showed him how to make the saddle tree, portraying for him the fashion thereof in ink on the wood. Then I took wool and teased it and made felt of it, and covering the saddle tree with leather, stuffed it and polished it and it attached the girth and stirrup leathers. After which I fetched a blacksmith and described to him the fashion of the stirrups and bridle bit. So he forged a fine pair of stirrups and the bit and filed them smooth and them. Moreover, I made fast to them fringes of silk and fitted bridle leathers to the bit. Then I fetched one of the best of the royal horses and saddled and bridling him, hung the stirrups to the saddle and led him to the king. The king took his fancy and he thanked me. Then he mounted and rejoiced greatly in the saddle and rewarded me handsomely for my work. When the king's wazir saw the saddle, he asked of me one like it, and I made it for him. Furthermore, all the grandees and officers of state came for saddles to me, so I fell to making saddles, having taught the craft to the carpenter and blacksmith, and selling them to all who sought till I amassed great wealth and became in high honor and great favor with the king and in his household and grandees. I abode thus till one day, as I was sitting with the king in all respect and contentment, he said to me, Know thou, O such an one, thou art become one of us, dear as a brother, and we hold thee in such regard and affection that we cannot part with thee nor suffer thee to leave our city. Wherefore I desire of thee obedience in a certain manner, and I will not have thee gainsay me. Answered I, O king, what is it thou desirest of me? Far be it from me to gainsay thee in aught, for I am indebted to thee for many favors and bounties, and much kindness, and, praised be Allah, I am become one of thy servants. Quoth he, I have a mind to marry thee to a fair, clever, and agreeable wife, who is wealthy as she is beautiful, so thou mayst be naturalized and domiciled with us. I will lodge thee with me in my palace, wherefore oppose me not, neither cross me in this. When I heard these words, I was ashamed, and held my peace, nor could make him any answer, by reason of my much bashfulness before him. Asked he, Why dost thou not reply to me, O my son? And I answered, saying, 
Oh, my master, he is thine to command. Oh, king of the age. So he summoned the Kazi and the witnesses and married me straightway to a lady of a noble tree and high pedigree, wealthy in monies and means, the flower of an ancient race, of surpassing beauty and grace, and the owner of farms and estates and many a dwelling place. And Shahzad perceived the dawn of day, and she saying her permitted say. When it was the 553rd night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Sinbad the seaman continued in these words. Now after the king my master had married me to his choice wife, he also gave me a great and goodly house standing alone, together with slaves and officers, and assigned me pay and allowances. So I became no ease and contentment and delight, and forgot everything which had befalled me of weariness and trouble and hardship. For I loved my wife with fondest love, and she loved me no less. And we were as one, and abode in the utmost comfort of life and in its happiness. And I said in myself, when I return to my native land, I will carry her with me. But what so is predestined to a man, that needs must be, and none knoweth what shall befall him. We lived thus a great while, till Almighty Allah bereft one of my neighbors of his wife. Now he was a gossip of mine. So hearing the cry of the keeners, I went in to condole with him on his loss found him in very ill plight, full of trouble and weary of soul and mind. I condoled with him and comforted him, saying, Mourn not for thy wife who hath now found the mercy of Allah. The Lord will surely give thee a better in her stead, and thy name shall be great, and thy life shall be long in the land. Inshallah. But he wept bitter tears and replied, <laughs> Oh, my friend, how can I marry another wife, and how shall Allah replace her to me with a better than she? When as I have but one day to live. Oh, my brother, said I, return to thy senses, and announce not the glad tidings of thine own death, for thou art well, sound, and in good case. By thy life, O oh my friend, tomorrow thou wilt lose me. And would never see me again to the day of resurrection. How so? This very day they bury my wife and they bury me with her in one tomb. For it is the custom with us. If the wife die first, to bury the husband alive with her, and in like manner the wife if the husband die first. So that neither may enjoy life after losing his or her mate. <laughs> By Allah, cried I, this is a most vile or lewd custom, and not to be endured of any. Meanwhile, behold, the most part of the townsfolk came in and fell to condoling with my gossip for his wife and for himself. Presently they laid the dead woman out, as was their wont, and, setting her on a bear, carried her and her husband without the city, till they came to a place in the side of the mountain at the end of the island by the sea. And here they raised a great rock and discovered the mouth of a stone riveted pit or well, leading down into a vast underground cavern that ran beneath the mountain. Into this pit they threw the corpse, then tying a rope of palm fibers under the husband's armpits, they let him down into the cavern, and with him a great pitcher of fresh water and seven scones where it was unfatical. When he came to the bottom, he loosed himself from the rope and they drew it up, and stopping the mouth of the pit with the great stone, they returned to the city, leaving my friend in the cavern with his dead wife. When I saw this, I said to myself, By Allah, this fashion of death is more grievous than the first. And I went into the king and said to him, O oh my lord, why do ye bury the quick with the dead? 
Kofi. It have been the custom, thou must know, of our forebearers and our olden kings from time immemorial. If the husband die first, to bury his wife with him, and the like with the wife, so we may not sever them, alive or dead. I ask, O king of the age, if the wife of a foreigner like myself die among you, deal ye with him as with yonder man? And he answered, Assuredly we do with him, even as thou hast seen. When I heard this, my gallbladder was like to burst, for the violence of my dismay and concern for myself. My wit became dazed. I felt as if in a vile dungeon, and hated their society. For I went about in fear lest my wife should die before me and they bury me alive with her. However, after a while I comforted myself, saying, Haply I shall predecease her, or shall have returned to my own land before she die. For none knoweth which shall go first and which shall be last. Then I applied myself to diverting my mind from this thought with various occupations, but it was not long before my wife sickened and complained and took to her pillow and fared after a few days to the mercy of Allah, and the king and the rest of the folk came, as was their wont, to condole with me and her family, and to console us for her loss, and not less to condole with me for myself. Then the women washed her, and arraying her in her richest raiment and golden ornaments, necklaces and jewelry, laid her on the bier, and bore her to the mountain aforesaid, where they lifted the cover of the pit and cast her in. After which all my intimates and acquaintances, and my wife's kith and kin came around me, to farewell me in my lifetime, and console me for my own death, whilst I cried out among them, saying, Almighty Allah never made it lawful to bury the quick with the dead. I am a stranger, not one of your kind, and I cannot bear your custom, and had I known it, I never would have wedded among you. They heard me not, and paid no heed to my words, but laying hold of me, bound me by force, and led me down into the cavern, with a large gugglet of sweet water, and seven cakes of bread, according to their custom. When I came to the bottom, they called out to me to cast myself loose from the cords, but I refused to do so. So they threw them down on me, and, closing the mouth of the pit with the stones aforesaid, went their ways. I looked about me and found myself in a vast cave full of dead bodies, that exhaled a false and loathsome smell, and the air was heavy with the groans of the dying. Thereupon I fell to blaming myself for what I had done, saying, By Allah, I deserve all that hath befallen me, and all that shall befall me. What curse is it for me to take away from my city? There is no majesty, and there is no might to save in Allah, the glorious, the great. As often as I say, I have escaped from one calamity, I fall into a worse. By Allah, this is an abominable death to die. Would heaven I had died a decent death, and been washed and shrouded like a man and a Muslim? Would I have been drowned at sea or perished in the mountains? It were better than to die this miserable death. And on such wise I kept blaming my own folly and greed of gain in that black hole, knowing not night from day. And I ceased not to ban the foul fiend and to bless the almighty friend. Then I threw myself down on the bones of the dead and lay there, imploring Allah's help and in the violence of my despair, invoking death which came not to me. Till the fire of hunger burned my stomach, and thirst set my throat aflame. When I sat up and feeling for the bread, ate a morsel and upon it swallowed a mouthful of water. After this, the worst night I ever knew. I arose, and exploring the cavern, found that it extended a long way with hollows in its sides, and its floor was strewn with dead bodies and rotten bones that had lain there from olden time. So I made myself a place in a cavity of the cavern, afar from the corpses lately thrown down, and there slept. I abode thus a long while, till my provision was alike to give out, and yet I ate not save once every day or second day, nor did I drink more than an occasional draught for fear my victual should fail me before my death. And I said to myself, Eat little and drink little. Be like the Lord shall vouchsafe deliverance to thee. One day, as I sat thus, pondering my case and bethinking me how I should do, when my bread and water should be exhausted, behold, 
The stone that covered the opening was suddenly rolled away, and the light streamed down upon me. Quoth I, I wonder what is the matter? Happily they have brought another corpse. Then I espied folk standing about the mouth of the pit, who presently let down a dead man and a live woman, weeping and bemoaning herself, and with her an ampler supply of bread and water than usual. I saw her, and she was a beautiful woman, but she saw me not, and they closed up the opening and went away. Then I took the leg bone of a dead man, and, going up to the woman, smote her on the crown of the head, and she cried one cry and fell down in a swoon. I smote her a second and a third time, till she was dead, when I laid hands on her bread and water and found on her great plenty of ornaments and rich apparel, necklaces, jewels, and gold trinkets, for it was their custom to bury women and all their finery. I carried the vivers to my sleeping place in the cavern side and ate and drank of them sparingly. No more than sufficed to keep the life in me, lest the provant come speedily to an end, and I perish of hunger and thirst. Yet did I never wholly lose hope in Almighty Allah. I abode thus a great while, killing all the live folk they let down into the cavern, and taking their provisions of meat and drink. Till one day as I slept, I was awakened by something scratching and burrowing among the bodies in the corner of the cave, and said, What can this be? Fearing wolves or hyenas. So I sprang up and seizing the leg bone aforesaid made for the noise. As soon as the thing was aware of me, it fled from me into the inward of the cavern. Lo, it was a wild beast. However, I followed it to the further end, till I saw afar off a point of light not bigger than a star, now appearing and then disappearing. So I made for it, and as I drew near, it grew larger and brighter, till I was certified that there was a crevice in the rock, leading to the open country. And I said to myself, There must be some reason for this opening. Either it is the mouth of a second pit, such as that by which they let me down, or else it is a natural fissure in the stone. So I bethought me a while, and nearing the light, found that it came from a breach on the back side of the mountain, which the wild beasts had enlarged by burrowing that they might enter and devour the dead and freely go to and fro. When I saw this, my spirits revived and hope came back to me, and I made sure of life after having died a death. So I went on as in a dream, and making shift to scramble through the breach, found myself on the slope of a high mountain, overlooking the salt sea and cutting off all access thereto from the island, so that none could come at that part of the beach from the city. I praised my lord and thanked him, rejoicing greatly and heartening myself at the prospect of deliverance. Then I returned through the crack to the cavern, and brought out all the food and water that I had saved up, and donned some of the dead folk's clothes over my own, after which I gathered together all the collars and necklaces of pearls and jewels and trinkets of gold and silver set with precious stones and other ornaments and valuables I could find upon the corpses, and, making them into bundles with the grave clothes and raiment of the dead, carried them out to the back of the mountain facing the seashore, where I established myself, purposing to wait there till it should please Almighty Allah to send me relief by means of some passing ship. I visited the cavern daily, and as often as I found folk buried alive there, I killed them all indifferently, men and women, and took their victual and valuables and transported them to my seat on the seashore. Thus I abode a long while. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and fifty-fifth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Sinbad the seaman continued. And after carrying all of my victuals and valuables from the caravan to the coast, I abode a long while by the sea, pondering my case, till one day I caught sight of a ship passing in the midst of the clashing sea, swollen with dashing billows. So I took a piece of white shroud I had with me, and, tying it to a staff, ran along the seashore, making signals therewith and calling to the people in the ship, till they espied me, and hearing my shouts, sent a boat to fetch me off. 
When I drew near, the crew called out to me, saying, Who art thou? And how camest thou to be on this mountain, whereon never saw we any in our born days? I answered, I am a gentleman and a merchant, who hath been wrecked and saved myself on one of the planks of the ship with some of my goods, and by the blessing of the Almighty and the decrees of destiny and my own strength and skill, after much toil and moil I have landed with my gear in this place, where I waited some passing ship to take me off. So they took me in their boat together with the bundles I had made of the jewels and valuables from the cavern, tied up in clothes and shrouds, and rowed back with me to the ship, wherein the captain said to me, How camest thou, O man? To yonder place on yonder mountain behind which lieth a great city. All my life I have sailed these seas and passed to and fro hard by these heights. Yet never saw I here any living thing save wild beasts and birds. I repeated to him the story I had told the sailors, but acquainted him with nothing of that which had befallen me in the city and the cavern, lest there should be any of the islandry in the ship. Then I took out some of the best pearls I had with me and offered them to the captain, saying, Oh, my lord. Thou hast been the means of saving me off this mountain. I have no ready money, but take this from me in requital of thy kindness and good offices. But he refused to accept it of me, saying, When we find a shipwrecked man on the seashore or on an island, we take him up and give him meat and drink. And if he be naked, we clothe him. Nor take we aught from him, nay. When we reach a port of safety, we set him ashore with a present of our own money and entreat him kindly and charitably, for the love of Allah the Most High. So I prayed that his life be long in the land and rejoice in my escape, trusting to be delivered from my stress and to forget my past mishaps. For every time I remembered being let down in the cave with my dead wife, I shuddered in horror. Then we pursued our voyage and sailed from island to island and sea to sea, till we arrived at the island of the Bell, which containeth a city two days' journey in extent, Once after a six days run we reached the island Kala, hard by the land of Hind. This place is governed by a potent and puissant king, and it produceth excellent camphor and an abundance of the Indian Ratan. Here also is a lead mine. At last, by the decree of Allah, we arrived in safety at Basora town, where I tarried a few days, then went on to Baghdad city, and, finding my quarter, entered my house with lively pleasure. There I foregathered with my family and friends, who rejoiced in my happy return and gave my joy of my safety. I laid up in my storehouses all the goods I had brought with me, and gave alms and largesse to fakers and beggars and clothed the widow and the orphan. Then I gave myself up to pleasure and enjoyment, returning to my old merry mode of life. Such then be the most marvelous adventure of my fourth voyage. But tomorrow, if you will kindly come to me, I will tell you that which befell me in my fifth voyage, which was yet rarer and more marvelous than those which forewent it. And thou, O my brother, Sinbad the landsman, shalt sup with me as thou art wont. Saith he who telleth the tale. When Sinbad the seaman had made an end of his story, he called for his supper, so they spread the table and the guest ate the evening meal, after which he gave the porter an hundred dinars as usual, and he and the rest of the company went their ways, glad at heart and marvelling at the tales they had heard, for that each story was more extraordinary than that which forewent it. The porter Sinbad passed the night in his own house, in all joy and cheer and wonderment. And as soon as morning came with its sheen and shone, he prayed the dawn prayer, and repaired to the house of Sinbad the seaman, who welcomed him and bade him sit with him till the rest of the company arrived, when they ate and drank and made merry, and the talk went round amongst them. Presently their host began the narrative of the fifth voyage, and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and fifty-sixth night, she said, 
It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the host began in these words the narrative of The Fifth Voyage of Sinbad the Seaman. One Thousand and One Arabian Nights audio drama by Sir Richard Burton's Third and Fourth Voyage of Sinbad the Seaman features Captain Three, Zaid Patterson, Sailor, Rip Elliot, Captain Four, Zaid Patterson, Ship Scribe, Sean Chiplock, Diamond Merchant, Faisal Yakub, Grave Warner, Sean Chiplock, Pepper Gather, Rahul Kalouk, Sinbad's first wife, Kimlin Tran, Ill-Fated Widow, Kimlin Tran, Fifth Sailor, Jamil Hader, Music, Carl Sanders, Beckoning the Sick Winds of Pestilence and Elder God Shrine, Black Seas of Infinity within Dothian Chasms, Vortex of Awakening, Seven Are the Veils, Seven Are the Names, Dark Transcendent Trance, In the Temple of the Dark Lord, Sea Organ of Zadar, Sarah, Dominic Gomez, Indrani, Jop Mantra. Sound effects by freesound.org, art by Deprivarts. Opening and credits theme, Inner End by Steve Irwin, and Arabian Adventures by Music Bakery, licensed by Audiosparks.com, Desert Gems Audio, copyright 2019, all rights reserved. <laughs>